Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. What is it to worship God? Well, from man's side, it's obvious that worship takes many forms, and it's practiced in countless ways with all manner of rituals. But what about from God's side? Does the Bible reveal what God is looking for in real, genuine worship? To see this more clearly, we really should go back to the Old Testament books like Leviticus, where elaborate details are given to us in the form of the offerings that took place in the tabernacle and later on in the temple. Of course, the age of the offerings is long since past, but the reality of these offerings must be the focus of all our worship, even today. And this reality is the very Christ whom God has given us to experience and enjoy. Francis Ball has joined us again today as we continue our life study of Leviticus. Francis, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. I'm also glad to be here. Francis, there uh, are rich, deep portions here in Leviticus. I really pray that the Lord would be with us and uh, that we would have his shining, that all of this could come clear to us and our listeners. Yes, I certainly join you in that prayer. This book of Leviticus, Francis, uh, really to understand it and to know it, we have to study the types that are presented to us in the offerings. Altogether, we've seen in an introductory way, there are five basic offerings that are presented in this book, the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, sin offering, and the trespass offering. We've had several programs now looking at the picture of Christ that's portrayed with the first of these five, the burnt offering. Today, we're going on to chapter two, and we look at the next offering, which is the meal offering. But for the sake of those listening, maybe who have not been with us for these past programs, I wonder if you'd give us a brief overview of what the burnt offering represents in our experience. I'm amazed, Chris, at these offerings. And uh, the burnt offering being first is first from God's eyes, from God's point of view. Right. And it's quite interesting that it comes first in this uh, opening up of the offerings in the book of Leviticus. And the burnt offering is simply a picture or a type of Christ himself as the one who is absolutely for God, living for God, even to death, so that all that he is and all that he does is for God. He is God's righteousness, and he is the only one who is qualified to be able to be absolutely for God. This is a picture. Of course, it represents also the fact that our experience of Christ must reach this level of being absolutely for God. But we're not capable of that in ourselves at all. Right. So we have Christ as our life. And Christ is the righteousness of God. He has made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption, according to 1 Corinthians. So to know him in this way is not just a matter of doctrinal knowledge, 
or theology, but this is a matter of experience. Without experience, these offerings, particularly the burnt offering, don't have that much uh, significance to us. But because Christ is the one who is absolutely for God and he is living in us, we also can experience him as the burnt offering. It's not just studying these types in a, as you said, kind of a doctrinal or theological way, but we really want to see the experience of Christ that's depicted in these types and shadows and see that application for us to be brought into this level of experience, which we have to be fair and admit is beyond where many believers are at, maybe where we're at individually, but nonetheless, this is God's goal, isn't it, in all of these Old Testament books? They are so precious to our experience, and I appreciate so much the way uh, Brother Lee has brought us to see that this is not just doctrinal teaching, but this is for our experience of Christ in the deepest possible way. Well, Francis, in the first segment today, Witness Lee wants to describe for us this relationship between the first two offerings, the burnt offering and the meal offering. Here's Witness Lee. Now, let's cover the relationship of the meal offering to the burnt offering. What is the relationship between these two offerings? The bird offering and the meal offering. Okay, the emphasis of the bird offering is on Christ living for God. Even this condition for God is unto death, implying his living but emphasizing his death. The emphasis of the meal offering is on Christ's human living, on Christ's human living and daily work, implying his death, but emphasizing his living. In other words, burnt offering refers to death, meal offering referring to living. The burnt offering emphasizes that Christ is the righteousness of God. The burnt offering emphasizes a kind of righteousness, which is the righteousness of God. The meal offering emphasizes that Christ is righteous, righteous before God. In other words, the burnt offering indicates Christ as God's righteousness, and the meal offering indicates that Christ is righteous. Now, in the burnt offering, you can see Christ as the very righteousness of God. In the meal offering, you can see Christ, the righteous Christ. He is right in every way. He is righteous. But the burnt offering, he is the righteousness. That's why he could just be God's satisfaction. And giving God the very satisfying fragrance because he was just God's righteousness. Only he can satisfy God to the uttermost. And that kind of satisfaction gives God a satisfying fragrance. The salt is very deep there. Well, Francis, this is a deep point. I don't want to get lost in small details, and it may seem like a small matter, but the distinction here between Christ being the righteousness of God, which is depicted by the burnt offering, and Christ being righteous in everything, 
is really marvelous. And even Paul refers to this in the book of Romans. So it does have a New Testament application. Let's talk about this distinction for just a minute. Well, this is very, uh, very much not just a small matter. It seems so, but to use these terms like this, righteousness really is a noun. Right. And righteous is an adjective. So you could uh, compare this. In Christ, he is the very righteousness of God. And he is the righteous one in all that he did, all that he said, everything that he had relation with anyone, he was always righteous. I realize I am sin, but I also confess that I am sinful. And later we'll get into these, uh, these types that really show what we are. But this illustrates a little bit about the use of the term righteousness, which applies to Christ as who he is. He is the very righteousness of God. He is the only one who can fully satisfy God's requirement and what God is. Right. But as a man, he was righteous in every way, perfect in all of his relation with everyone and everything. So as the righteous one, we enjoy him for our benefit. And as the righteousness of God, God enjoys him as the full satisfaction and the sweet aroma, I would say, of the burnt offering is really because Christ is the very righteousness of God. As Paul uh, develops this thought in Romans, the righteousness of God, this really took place or this was realized fully in his death. As living in such a righteous way, his death satisfied the righteousness of God, and he became the righteousness of God for us. But it's his living that demonstrates that he is righteous in all manner of things. So the burnt offering really points us to his death. The meal offering, which is the righteous part, points us to Christ in his living, the kind of human life that he demonstrated. Well, let's go on, Francis. We want to look now at the meal offering. It's the second of the five basic offerings, as we mentioned before. It's described in Leviticus, and it begins in chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, and please listen closely to this, because we want to see the components or the ingredients of this meal offering. And when anyone presents an offering of a meal offering to Jehovah, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense on it. This short verse tells us that the meal offering, composed of these three primary ingredients, Francis, fine flour, oil, and frankincense. As we're going to see, all of these are full of rich meaning. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Now we come to fine flour. Fine flour, this is the main element of the meal offering. The meal offering is made of fine flour, signifying Christ's humanity. This fine flour signifies Christ's fine humanity. Dear saints, may I check with you? How about your humanity? Fine or rough? Our humanity is rough. It's coarse. Do you still consider yourself as a gentleman? So I shouldn't say ladies and gentlemen. I should say ladies and rough men. The horse, horse gentle, please tell me. Among the human race, in the whole universe, there's only one man that is gentle. Only he is fine, fine flower. This is Christ's humanity. Very fine. Very perfect. Very much balanced. And very much right in every way. 
This fine flour is produced out of wheat. And this wheat passes through the process of being sown, buried to die, growing up, beaten by the wind, frost, rain, and sun, plus being raked, threshed, sifted, and ground, etc. All the wheat passes through all this kind of processes. All these are sufferings, signifying the very sufferings of Christ, making him a man of sorrow. That's why he's called a man of sorrow. This is fully unveiled to us in Isaiah 53, verse 3. Now, we come to oil, signifying the Spirit of God. Yes, he is a man. He does have the real, the excellent humanity, yet he has the divine element. And the divine element is just the Spirit of God. He is full of oil. He has been mingled with oil. That means his humanity is mingled with his divinity. Then we go on to another item. That is frankincense, signifying the fragrance of Christ in his resurrection. Frankincense signifies the resurrection of Christ. This frankincense is put upon the fine flower, signifying that Christ's humanity bears the aroma of his resurrection, manifested out from his sufferings. Where could you? see Christ's resurrection. His resurrection is manifested in his sufferings. Francis, this is very striking. Uh, With the meal offering, if we look at what the wheat passes through on its way to becoming this fine flour, he listed all of these items very graphically. Uh, It's quite clear that this really signifies a human life that has been made so fine by passing through all manner of sufferings. Surely this is our Christ. And this is the Christ that's pointed out, as he said in Isaiah 53, 3. I made note of that verse. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. But the fine flour here is not the only component, Francis, of the meal offering. There's also the oil and the frankincense. What do these ingredients point us to? Well, I really appreciate how this was brought out in this message because this makes me love the Lord Jesus. Yes. Such a wonderful person. There was with him, uh, there was no excess, no, no deficiency in his living. He was just perfect fine flour. Right. But when you see the use of fine flour here at representing his humanity, we see what a process, as you mentioned, that he went through that gave opportunity for him to express the other two ingredients Mm -hmm. that are in this meal offering. Of course, we have the fine flour, which is his humanity, and then he made it very clear that the oil is a picture or type of the Holy Spirit. And it's by this spirit that uh, he lived this kind of life on the earth. And this is an oil of the spirit mingled with the fine flour of humanity. Right. This is 
humanity, and divinity mingled together in this wonderful person, Jesus Christ. What a marvel that this could be a meal offering. But not only this, the added part of this is the frankincense really means the resurrection life, the resurrection fragrance. And in all his suffering, he was just, what would you say, exuding resurrection. Right. So this kind of uh, benefit as a meal offering is for us, for our enjoyment, and for our participation in all that he is. What a humanity. What a divinity. And what a resurrection. Christ was always expressing resurrection life. Even while he was going through all the sufferings, even to the point of his death, mm-hmm. yet he's always expressing resurrection. He even told Martha and Mary, you know, after Lazarus died in John chapter 11, he told her, I am the resurrection. This was before he died. So he was always expressing resurrection. As the meal offering, he is man, he is God, and he is resurrection. That is a wonderful picture. I'm glad you pointed that out, this reference in the Gospels to him in this way, because it takes the Gospels to see the reality of this meal offering as we're seeing. And that's where we're going in this final section. Uh, We're going to look at a brief survey from the Gospels to see Christ as the reality of not just this fine flower, this perfect humanity, but also with the oil and the frankincense that just displays his resurrection. Here's Witness Lee for our final portion. Here you have three elements. Firstly, the fine flower. Secondly, the oil. Thirdly, the frankincense. If we would study the four Gospels again, there in the four Gospels, what you can see mainly is just the three things in Christ's life. Fine flower, the oil, and frankincense. What are these? Humanity with divinity plus resurrection. All the time Christ lived and worked in these three things. In his humanity mingled with the divinity expressing the resurrection. Even he was there, not crucified yet. You see, he was all the time expressing resurrection. And you have to realize Christ was not only crucified at the end of his earth life for six hours. No. When Christ lived on this earth, his whole life is a life under the cross. Every day he lived a life under the cross. All the time under the cross, he lived. Huh? and expressed resurrection. You know, when he was arrested, he told the arresters, as you are arresting me, okay, let these these people go peacefully. He still took care of his disciples. Under any kind of circumstances, he lived a life under suffering, but expressing his resurrection fragrance all the time anywhere the 33 and a half years all the time anywhere he lived life in his humanity mingled with his divinity expressing his resurrection I tell you this is the meal offering now 
you have to notice that the burnt offering is for God's satisfaction, to fulfill God's desire. That's God's food. Burnt offering is not allowed anyone to eat it, just God himself. All will be burned on the altar. But the meal offering is our food for our satisfaction with a little portion that we share with God. To do this is to worship God. What the proper worship God's people should have with God is just to satisfy Him and to satisfy yourself with God. Francis, the burnt offering was the only offering that was completely consumed on the altar. And as he pointed out, uh, that's because this is the offering that was 100% for God, for his satisfaction. But the meal offering also has a small portion for God, but it has a sizable portion that was left for the priests to enjoy. And of course, we know in the New Testament, we all now are the priests. He connected this aspect of the offerings uh, to our worship, maybe developed this connection for, uh, for us in our final portion. Well, I was really impressed with this portion because in the light of what you, uh, how you opened this whole program today was asking a question, what is it to worship God? And I believe we have a picture here of what proper worship really involves. It involves the burnt offering and the meal offering. And to offer the burnt offering for God's satisfaction and to offer the meal offering for our satisfaction and also for sharing our satisfaction with God, this is real worship. Proper worship is a matter of satisfying God with Christ as the burnt offering and of being satisfied with Christ as the meal offering and sharing this satisfaction with God. In real worship, Christ is the burnt offering ascending to God and also Christ is the meal offering entering our being. In such worship, We satisfy God with Christ, and we share with him our enjoyment of Christ. Chris, this really fits the definition the Lord Jesus gave of worship and how we should worship in John chapter 4. In verse 24, I believe, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truthfulness. This is really the real worship as it's pictured in the book of Leviticus. Yes, because this uh, enjoyment that we share with God of Christ can only take place in our spirit, can it? That's right. That's the secret of real worship. Francis, these are marvelous, deep, wonderful things. And I feel like, oh, a youngster being brought into an art gallery and uh, seeing pictures. And I like them, but I need a lot more help before I can fully appreciate everything that's here. I have the same kind of experience. We really need a lot of help. We're getting it in these uh, life study messages. We want to recommend also the printed messages to our listeners because there's a depth here that we can't hope to cover in just the 26 minutes that we have for our radio broadcast each day. But these printed messages have all kinds of detail and development on these rich and deep things. Uh, We really commend them to you. We realize that the things we're touching are not the common things that you hear on most Christian radio programs, and we are doing our very best before the Lord to try to make this as understandable and presentable, but it's not bad, I think, for us to realize that there's more here for us than perhaps we've ever considered in our own experience of Christ, and to be, I would say, in a sense, these messages challenge us a little bit, Francis, and that's not bad. Yeah, that's right. It is a real challenge, but the There's the opportunity to get the written 
portion. To contact us to get these written Life Study messages, uh, it's one 888 Life Study. That's a toll free number, 1 888 543 3788. You can write to us also, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California 92814, or send email to radio at lsm.org. And join us again as we continue the life study of the book of Leviticus. We hope you'll be with us then. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.